about our children. You know, so often children are left in the wake of, of uh, the workaholic. And the truth is, it ain't just in the secular world. I mean, there's plenty of pastors who are workaholics who are out ministering, quote unquote, ministering to everybody else in the congregation and their, their family. Oftentimes, uh, they are resentful at God, resentful at the church, and, and that has really been spurred by the workaholic behavior of their mom or dad or both in ministry. We need to recognize that we're not the only ones that we are offering on the altar of our perfectionism or our workaholism, but it's also our family. It's also the potential relationships around us as well. How can I experience the, you know, a covenant love, uh, right? That that God speaks of if I'm if I'm single. Like Lord, well, how does this look for the single person, right? And so He's been really teaching me through um, uh, other relationships, but it started with you guys. What does it mean to receive the good of the masculine in a in a non-erotic way? To have friends that are the opposite sex to know that I don't need to give anything sexually, that I don't um, need to be perfect, that I don't need to do, 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 and I don't need to save, and I don't need to do all of these things, that I actually can just be who I am and that I, I am worth their time. Everybody, if you did not catch last week's podcast, I would encourage you to go back and watch that. That is the first podcast that I did with Becky, uh, and she's here with us again today. We're picking up our conversation from where we left off, and the the theme or the comment that she made that I really wanted to focus in on for this week is more is about the idea of slowing down. And Becky talked about how she had gotten to a place of really workaholism, just just moving and moving and moving uh, as a teacher and showing up early and staying late and having basically a couple of hours left to herself in the day or a few hours for dinner and whatever, and then going to bed and doing it all over again. And of course, oftentimes workaholism is a way of of keeping ourselves going so much and so quickly that we're trying to just uh, outpace the the pain or the the threat of that that awareness of loneliness or the trauma that's never been resolved in the past and and so we in that uh, comment she made the statement about slowing down or or d- developed uh, that statement a little bit and I want to spend some time talking more about that this week and some other themes themes uh, connected to singleness connected to marriage. Uh, connected to relationship and the body of Christ and how God actually wired us for far more um, intimate and uh, affectionate and uh, meaningful relationships than what most of us ever lean toward. And in saying that, I just want to mention that in using the word intimate, we oftentimes connect the word intimacy with sex. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Uh, We oftentimes connect the word affection uh, as that which is shown only between a husband and a wife, or maybe a dad or mom toward their ch- their children, and and of course that's true. But affection is also needed 
in female to female relationships and male to male relationships, those look different. I'm not talking about feminizing masculinity. Those look different uh, in in feminine relationships and masculine relationships. But the reality is, I believe that we are so detached from one another in terms of really meeting those emotional needs, meeting uh, the longings of our heart, knowing that uh, that that you, when you are in a relationship, when you come into the room, that people light up because you've just walked in, uh, not because you you know you you're the most handsome person in the room or the most beautiful woman in the room or because you're you're walking in and everybody knows, oh my God, this guy's a billionaire. It, it, none of those things. Simply because when you walk in the room or when you uh, come into the presence of somebody who knows you and is is also vulnerable with you, there's a delight in who you are as a person made in the image of God. And so we want to talk uh, more today and just welcome you into this conversation, uh, whether you're watching or you're listening to this conversation again with Becky and and really picking up that that whole point about slowing down. So Becky, would you just kind of um, explain a little bit? I know you touched on some of it uh, in the in your testimony in the in last week's segment, but um, in last week's podcast, but you talked about uh, beginning to get involved in like a Friday night uh, church group or Friday night group, and and there were some things that 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 ways that that was meaningful for you, and that progressed into some other things. But talk about that idea of slowing down and what that began to look like. For you, it, it, you mentioned also like kind of almost annually uh, having your body break down and and just becoming exhausted and your body stopping and oftentimes that would wind up with some kind of a situation with hospitalization or something for a period of time. And of course, that's your body saying, "Look, you you have no more choice in this matter. This is what's what we're doing." But um, when you begin to to choose to slow down, um, what were some of the ways that that happened and what were some things that brought about um, an awareness on your part, maybe almost a bit subconscious to begin with, but what do you think that was like for you in the beginning and how would you describe that? Hmm. Yeah, so um, I would say the the beginning was the the body just really shutting down. And, um, and so <clears throat> after a few years of that happening, I... I realized that um, that if this continued, I wasn't sure if I was actually going to be able to even function anymore. Mm. And so the the step I took was I had mentioned before that I would actually teach through the whole year. I would also teach during the summertime. And so one year, um, I it was again because of just not being able to function but i wasn't able to work during the summertime and um and so that was i think the first time i noticed that not working through the summer and then starting off the school year that i actually wasn't having some of those episodes um mm. anymore and so that was kind of like oh uh I mean, obviously, this this is probably obvious to people, but at the time for me, it was like, oh, you know, well, maybe if I, you know, actually give my body some kind of rest, that um, right. that actually I'll see um, it functioning so much better. Um, and so that's that's the slowing piece that that in the starting to slow down, 
the 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 actual pain started to surface, right? And so then it was it was kind of like uh you know little by little like at the same time is when I was connected to that Friday night home church. And so it's like the Lord started helping me slow down enough, but I wasn't met with with nothing, with emptiness, right? Actually, I started slowing down and I was I was invited into a place where where someone and more than one person, they could start meeting me in that place where some of that pain was starting to 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 surface just a little bit. Mm. Right. And so and so as I started slowing more and more and more and more down, um, it just the as I look back, I could see how the Lord was really providing just the space for me to start dealing with some of those things that were actually surfacing uh for me. And um and so I allowed you know, myself to to slow down just a little bit um, more and more. And um, and it wasn't easy. It was it was scary at times. I'm I'm thinking to myself, nope, I I know, I know where I can go. I know where I can go and do to check out, right? Like I knew yep. I can do that really well. But I kept choosing to I, I knew again, I've done that for for too long and it's not taking me anywhere good. You know, am I? Can I choose to continue to press through and and see what the Lord has for me in in the season of of slowing down? Yep. Well, and that's so good. I I just want to comment on. Um, it's so good that you are able to recognize. Look, this is not really taking me where I want to go. This is ultimately um not a not sustainable. And, and so you, you made that decision, um, for yourself and began, and I understand it was, it was probably uh, a little rocky and some fits and starts and maybe kind of grasping a hold again of, of some of the things that you were able to, to do to, to numb out some of the pain or things like that. But I, I'm also thinking as you're sharing that, like about a dad, let's just say, who's a workaholic and, and, and maybe for himself, he won't recognize the fact that this is not working well for him. Maybe he's not had the the experience of the the body breakdowns yet and that kind of thing. But what should be motivating us, uh, or at least, I mean, we should be motivated by uh, by our by what's what's going on with us personally, and also the fact we don't we're not taking time to uh, to really get into the Word oftentimes and spend time with God. Oftentimes, um, prayer is sacrificed. But even when you know we we have our little chunk of time where we continue to do that, how are we doing relationally? You know, how is our soul really doing? And then, in addition to that, how is our spouse doing in relationship to us? What would they say about our schedule and and how our relationship is functioning with them? But then, in addition to that, what about our children? You know, so often children are left in the wake of of uh, the workaholic. And the truth is, it ain't just in the secular world. I mean, there's plenty of pastors who are workaholics who are out ministering, quote unquote, ministering to everybody else in the congregation and their their family, their wife, their um, or their husband, if, if a woman happens to be a pastor uh, in, in a denomination that, um, you know, that allows for that. But whether it's the husband or it's um, the children, Oftentimes, uh, they are resentful at God, resentful at the church, and and that has really been spurred by the workaholic behavior 
of their mom or dad or both in ministry. And, and so we need to recognize that we're not the only ones that we are offering on the altar of our perfectionism or our workaholism, but it's also our family. It's also the potential relationships around us as well. So yeah, I mean, thanks so much, Becky, for sharing that. And I, um, and also just sharing about that, the, the Friday night group and the, the connections that formed there and the way it sounds like there were opportunities there that were, Maybe a, a new experience for you of of some women. I know that group is made up of both men and women, uh, but new experiences of women really reaching out and wanting to connect with you and wanting to know your story and and wanting to know more than just like the veneer. I mean, so at, so many times people ask how you're doing, and this happens in church all the time, and the response is, "Oh, I'm fine," you know, because it's the it's the assumption that they don't really want to know me. I mean, they don't really want to know. Um, how I'm doing. It's just more of a, it's a, it's like saying good day or something to you. And, but, but in that setting, I think you experienced people that wanted to know you more um, underneath the surface. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, fair? Yes, very much so. And, um, and my life and, and life uh, for me growing up it and just kind of with the, the consequences of the abuse and things like that, um, I was always the one, it seemed like somehow I always ended up being the one to pursue other people. I'm, I'm always pursuing. I'm always, you know, and, and that was coming out of not a not very healthy, but, but that's beside the point. So I'm always the one pursuing. And so I'm entering into this home church um, where women are actually pursuing me, right? And that was... That was, I was like, what is this? I have, you know, it felt uncomfortable, unfamiliar. Um, I I wasn't sure how I was supposed to respond back, um, but, but it was that pursuit, right? And it's just like, you know, like, you know, God's been pursuing us since, uh, you know, from from Eden, right? From from the garden, like He has been pursuing mm-hmm. us. So it's these these women that were a representation of that pursuit of me, and that 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 pierced, you know, my heart. The the part of me that desired to be seen and known. Um, Yes, still, you know, um, uncertain about things, still kind of dealing with the perfectionism and the workaholism, but, but they just met me, um, in that, in that pursuit kind of way, Gary, that, um, it just really, it broke me down. Like it, it just broke, Mm. I mean, uh, walls that I had up, um, it they just they just shattered down, and so I knew mm-hmm. from then on. Um, I I went to Friday night for I'm thinking maybe about ten years or so, uh, but I knew that I could go there and and um, you know be be fully known and fully loved, right? And mm-hmm. and that took that took time, right? But but I could be yeah. who I was. And, um, and if I, you know, reached out to, to them, they were so willing, you know, to, to meet up with me. Um, even now on Saturday, I'm meeting up with, with one of the, um, women that I met at the Friday night home, um, home church and we're making, you know, sourdough bread. So, I mean, it's, these mm-hmm. are the relationships, right? That have, um, 
uh, that have endured, that that she continuously pursues me, that I pursue her, and it's this this mutual relationship of I I want to walk with you and and I have something to offer and and I also want to receive right this this mutual where a lot of times relationships we get caught up with people that just need right but but this is I have something to offer you and I and I want to receive what you have to offer me as well and so it's healed um, in in this case same sex friendships right it's healed a lot of of the broken stuff with my mom and with you know other. Uh, same-sex family members where I grew up. It's like God's really restored what it is to to have friendships of the same sex. So, yes, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Did would, what would you say about? Um, I hear what you're saying about same-sex friendships, and uh, and there's there's different seasons, and I think sometimes different groups where there there's a, a greater emphasis on healing those relationships, and actually. I think that even um, in in God's natural order of boys going through a stage and even girls going through a stage where they kind of want to be with one another in a certain stage of development in childhood, they don't want to be around the other uh, gender so much. Uh, there's something about the need. I think that's evident of the or evidence of the need that we have to really um, healthily bond with our own gender before we are able, and also getting to know, not just bonding with our own gender, but getting to know who we are as a boy or a girl in relationship to our own gender before we're really, um, mat- we start to uh, mature enough and and know ourselves enough to enter into that, that greater mystery of the other gender. And so, um, so it makes sense that one of the areas God would, uh, begin to heal most is in that that formative and foundational need that you have for other women, other sisters in Christ to know you and to walk with you and and to have that peer connection and relationship. Uh, was there was there a particular place, whether it was Friday night or something else? I know we've been involved in Living Waters together, uh, you and I and Melissa and I and Jeremiah and all that, and and there have been other settings um, maybe where you've been able to um, to better get to know uh, men who love Jesus, who are far from perfect, but yet are safe enough and whole enough to be good brothers um, in your life. Uh, has, how has that kind of transpired for you if it has? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that I think that really began uh, with, with you, Gary, and your boys. Um, so that really were... The Lord brought me to um, to live with you guys, and so um, mm-hmm. it being around you and being around your boys, um, and just again the way that you guys are so intentional and purposeful in in drawing out. Uh, drawing me out as as the feminine, but it's it's in that that secure masculine um, strength that you and your boys have that it felt it, it just it, there was there was a there was a safety a security in me that I knew that I'm 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 at a place where where there's other men that um, actually want to love me and pour into me 
that 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 has nothing to do with anything sexual and that was mm-hmm. that was another very impactful um, experience for me and then once we got into living waters and I started befriending Jeremiah he has been somebody else that's been really impactful in my life so when I think about mm-hmm. opposite sex friendships right non-erotic opposite sex friendships, right? This, I, I, I'm still single. I've often talked to you, to, uh, to you and others about like, how, how can I experience the, you know, a covenant love, uh, right? That, that God speaks of if I'm, if I'm single, like, Lord, well, how does this look for the single person? Right. And so Mm -hmm. he's been really teaching me through, um, uh, other relationships, but it started with you guys and then with Jeremiah to to what what is it what does it mean to receive the good of the masculine in a in a non erotic way, right? And how can I yep. um, be um, partake in and how the the masculine how men are designed, right? That they're designed to secure the woman, to protect the woman, and and I can I can be part of that without there being this, you know, sexual peace component to it. Now, I mm-hmm. I want to be married one day. I would love to to be married, but um mm-hmm. as you talk about how does God in a sense prepare us for whatever the next the next step is, right? Like this has been so healing for me to be mm-hmm. Um, to have friends that are the opposite sex, to know that I don't need to give anything sexually, that I don't um, need to be perfect, that I don't need to do, 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 and I don't need to save, and I don't need to do all of these things, that I actually can just be who I am, and that I I am worth their time. Like that, that's, I, that, that has changed I mean, it, it's given me a confidence, Gary, um, and not that I'm idolizing men. I don't want it to come across that way, but but in the mm-hmm. the man's security um, of the of the feminine, there's been a confidence that has that that's risen internally for me, and and being able to be confident in things that I do, and so um, just the way God designed right that relationship between the man and the woman, and how that impacts, and and that 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 happens whether I'm married or not, right? Like I'm still mm-hmm. able to receive the gift of, of feeling secure under, um, in this case, like you and your boys and in Jeremiah's and the friendship and the relationship that we have together. So I know I can turn to you guys um, if there's, if there's, when, not if, when there is a, a deep need for me to connect <clears throat> with the other. So, um, because at the end, just kind of going back to the other conversation, when you, when you talked about that we do what we do because we have needs, right? And so it's recognizing yes. I have this need and how can I get that need met in a, in a he- healthy, for me, non-erotic way, right? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the point you're bringing up right there is the reality that that we have all been given uh, God-given needs. God has given each one of us as 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 human men and women needs that He intends for us to be met 
in, in ways with him that are unique and nobody else can meet in the same way. But also he intends to meet needs through other people, uh, through our brothers and sisters in ways that no, that, that he is not going to meet on his own either. And, and so, I mean, he flows through them to us. Uh, we are a conduit of God's mercy and grace. Uh, the hands and feet of Jesus is one of the phrases, one of the ideas that's often communicated. And we get to be that for one another. And, and so sometimes I feel like we as human beings, uh, especially sometimes trauma can trigger this as well, that all of my needs are bad or that to have need is, to, is bad in and of itself. Nothing can be further from the truth. The issue isn't that we have needs and that somehow that's bad. The issue is that we're meeting legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. And so the question is, how can I um, really unplug from, this, from the unhealthy source of how I've been getting these needs met in, in addictive, compulsive, uh, life-destroying ways, ultimately, and plug into the true source of life, which is God through his community, uh, how can I do that in ways that actually meet those needs rather than I'm, I'm simply going to be on a, on a, you know, bread and water diet emotionally for the rest of my life. I think sadly, that's where many Christians are at and they're, they're getting very little genuine, rich, nourishing, um, needs met emotionally through the body of Christ, the way that God intended us to. So, um, you know, I also, uh, the idea of what you were experiencing or what you, you are experiencing right now in, in your singleness, and, uh, but also to even back up a little bit further, and I want to kind of highlight something, a, a huge decision that you made that I want people to know about because there may be some big decisions. If you're listening to this, watching this podcast, there may be some uh, a big decision that God's calling you to that would alter your schedule. Uh, maybe it's a job change. Maybe it's uh, a house change. Maybe it's a, a life, a living situation or whatever. And that's what I'm talking about here right now with Becky is that when we moved here, uh, Melissa and I moved here with our boys in 2016 from upstate New York to Phoenix, Arizona. And when we moved here, we lived in a townhouse uh, just to kind of get the lay of the land. And I, we had been out here before. I'd lived here many, many years before. So I had a pretty good idea of what was going on in the general area. But we wanted to, to land somewhere for a year or so and rent and just figure out, you know, and prayerfully, where should we be in, in terms of a, of a home? And so obviously, Becky, we met you through Friday Night Group and, and some connections there. And, and then we wound up, uh, renting for a year and about maybe three months longer. And we signed on a house and, and the closing went through and we moved in at the very tail end of November. And I think it was right maybe in January or something, or maybe even right after that, uh, maybe it was at the end of, uh, 2017, but we had had some communication with you and you would come over for dinner. And, and, uh, I know you and Melissa had been talking but we had thought, I mean, we have often had people live with us when we were in New York and, and really value the community that can come from having others be a part of our family and, and really that extension of nuclear family into the eternal family of God. And so you actually uh, owned your own house and you were uh, living there on your own. Uh, for how many years was that? I think it was... Um 
because I had taken care of my grandparents for many years. And so I think I had my house for about four years. Yeah. So I was living mm-hmm. out and, and Levine had my, my own home, my own car, my own stuff. And um, yeah, making a decision to, to move, um, you know, uh, into somebody's home was, was actually huge. And, and, and it was actually very shocking to my family because being Mm -hmm. first generation here, it's a, it's about the American dream. It's about having your home, having, owning your home, your car, your belongings, this and that and the other. Right. And so when I, you know, when I shared with my family that I was selling all of that and I was moving in with a family, um, they, they were just like shocked. Like, how would I give up all of that? And, um, and yet they, they, that's, that's what they saw. They didn't actually see how broken I was and, um, and that I, I actually needed, and you say this often, Gary, I needed a second chance at family, right? Because Mm -hmm. the first chance didn't work out and I didn't know what it was like to be part. I didn't know what it was like to be part of people who actually care about you and want the best for you. And, and, um, and in saying that, I, I also, you know, I love my grandparents. They did a lot for me. I'm th- so grateful for that. But it just, I just didn't, I had no idea what it was like to live um, in a family. And, um, and so there was a lot for me to unlearn. And, um, and there was a lot for me to, to be able to receive because I didn't understand that people actually talk to you when you have an argument, you know, it's like, what, they still want to talk to me, right? I mean, you know, some of these things that I, I, it was, I just had no idea that that's what family does. So, um, so it was a huge, a huge decision. And, and quite frankly, Gary, I didn't think twice about it. I just knew, I knew, like, if, like, this is, this is the next step for me. And, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what my family, and, and quite frankly, at the time, it didn't matter. Like, I knew, I knew where God was pointing me to. I had no doubt about that. And so it was, it was stepping into, into that. Well, it reminds me too, uh, in, in, uh, in earlier uh, podcast, a couple of earlier podcasts, Dave Cottrell and I, uh, spent time uh, talking and sharing, and I I talked about having lived with uh, with him and Kathy and their boys, and so you know I, really what what we have done and and the 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 value that we also experience by having you with us, you know the the family the the addition that you uh, bring to our family is or really multiplication of of value and emotional. Uh, uh, blessing and encouragement, spiritual blessing and encouragement is huge. It's not just like it's something going in one direction. But I know when I lived with Dave and Kathy for a number of months, that was um, that was a lot of my own experience too. Was learning what it was like to be in uh, in a family setting where, and I mentioned this in the earlier podcast where it was really let your yes be yes and your no, no. It was when, when they said something or when they offered a word of encouragement or they committed to something or they, 
you know, they, they were, I, I didn't realize until the time, until that time, how much my upbringing had fostered a sense of never really knowing what somebody meant when they said something. Like I, I mean, they would say the words and they might even smile, but I, but there was always that sense of, well, did they really mean it? Or what did they mean by that? Or what was, and, and so it was being around them for me was, was, was off-putting to start with. It, it almost seemed, it was not rude isn't the right word because there was never a tone of rudeness or any of that, that, that was communicated, but it was just, such a, a direct and and a clear environment to be in that it, it it was a little shocking for me and yet it, in almost immediately when i recognized the value of it and what it was at, what it actually was it was so healing as well and just being a, a feeling like i've been a part of their family for all of these years they've been an extended part of of me and my and my family for all these years and what a blessing that is it reminds me also of um of Rosaria Butterfield's, I think it's her third book, uh, called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And the way that she talks about radical, ordinary hospitality and the, the, the beauty and the glory and the, the joy and the relationships, the richness that can happen through extending, uh, spiritual, biblical hospitality is, is so needed today. You know, that, so needed by people. We're really living in a culture where loneliness is epidemic and, and, and that only became worse, you know, with COVID and, and all of the, that was going on there, but it was already a huge issue. And I think it's, it's only been exacerbated and continued to be a bigger issue on the other side of that. And I think part of the, part of the practical solution uh, is that we need to have our, our homes open for more than just a meal, for more than just a, a stopping by or, you know, we're going to get together for as a small group for an hour a week or something. That's good. And all of those things are good. But what about the people, and I'm thinking particularly of singles, what about the people who are single, who, who really want to follow Jesus, have a longing to follow Jesus, but are so desperately lonely that the enemy is, is really gnawing at their soul uh, gnawing at, uh, with temptation to go and fulfill that someplace else because there's just this massive gap in their heart because they're living alone and, and the connections they have with the church and with the body of Christ are on Sunday morning and maybe one other time during the week. And it's insufficient to meet that God-given longing for the soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... I completely agree, Gary. Um, yeah, just in the season of... Um, of being with you guys and and you guys really walking alongside of me uh, in terms of of my singleness as well. Like there's there's um, there's there's a a fulfillment internally, you know, for me where there and, and I mean there there is temptation, you know, still being around people when it comes to sure. trying to meet certain you know sexual needs uh, apart from God's design, right? But but being part of again of of a family with when others actually um, can see me when when those those deeper longings. I mean, even if we think about you know earlier, you talked about intimacy, like like those are are deep needs that we all have for deeper mm-hmm. friendships, deeper intimacy, right? And so being able to to grow in that. 
um, with others, I mean, meets such a, a deep, deep longing and need, um, where if I am by myself, that that's not going to turn out very good, right? Um, and so right. I think that, and I, I know that I'm like few and far between um, individuals who talk about living with uh, with a family, with a host family or a church family, like it is just not common at all when I when I share with others and um, and others uh, just kind of perk up a little bit and, and think that it's kind of this um, this very you know different idea, right? About you yeah, know living even odd maybe. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Um, and then, but then I'm able to share um, how you know I get poured into and how I have learned to be able to pour out, right? And um, mm-hmm. and for me, one of the big things that was broken also living in in community like that is because uh, my mom was was never uh, around, and and my sister and I basically were just kind of. Whether it's my aunt's house or my or, or or other other family members, we were always the ones that were on the outside. We never belonged anywhere, right? We we were just kind of there. And if if there was food for for us that my aunt brought or whatever, there might be or there might not be, right? So it was always mm-hmm. kind of we were this burden. We didn't belong, and um and so kind of you know that was huge a huge um. Uh, hurt that I had. So coming in to to live with you and your family, and um, and that I mean, the Lord has really done um a work in that where where I found myself at the beginning trying to pull myself out because I'm like this this just this can't be like people can't really just love you they just this just doesn't happen. And um, mm-hmm. and it, it took. I mean, it took some, sometimes some, some battling on my part um, to finally settle, and and that goes into attachment. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast, right? But um, yep. but really, right. just talking about how to choose to, yeah, to attach to attach to people who are who are willing um, and and want like your family, like wants to um, to be part of my life and and want and and is more than open that yes. for me to attach to you guys. So, yeah, absolutely. What would you like to see? Um, what would you like the church to understand about singleness? And I, so, this is a two-part question. And I can ask the second as well again if I need to. But so. What would you like the church or believers to understand about singleness? And if there is something that you're feeling, you know, you feel like is often overlooked or left out, but then what are some practical things that the church could do beyond? I sometimes joke, you know, I went to a few singles uh, meetings in church and felt like, thank, praise Jesus, I got out of there alive. I mean, it was like, Hotel California, you know, uh, feeling like it was, or or just a, or just like a Christian meat market or something, and and there was this, you know, it was it was some of the worst feeling that I've ever had, and and left never wanting to go back again. I think there was one group where I went back maybe several times, but it was really uh, kind of a out of. I mean, I really had to force myself uh, to go and and not just dismiss it and stay away. So. I, there's got there's got to be something better than that. 
um, in the church. So what are your, some of your thoughts about that? That's such a great question. And I've, uh, I mean, we've, we've talked about the fact that I've struggled also connecting with other singles in the church. And I've had my, my share of singles groups that I go to and, um, and I'd never want to go back. I go one time and I'm like, yeah, no, that's, and, and usually Gary, that's the, the sense that I get is that, um, and this goes, I think, all the way back to where we started, which is basically a lot of people haven't actually uh, worked on their own stuff. They haven't actually tapped into their own wounding. And so here, here we are. And, and I mean, you know, I'm not perfect. I haven't dealt with all of my stuff. But being able to deal with with our with our own brokenness, um, to to be able to be in a sense whole enough to then engage with with the other, right? And so, in terms of thinking um, about the church, I, I'm I'm wondering about their their approach, right? Like like when they think about singleness, what exactly is 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 the 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 idea or or the intent behind it is it I want to um, you know just connect these two individuals that might be single in life and that potentially something might happen and they can kind of move on from there, right? But I mm-hmm. but I feel like if there was um, and you know like for example like you know Living Waters, um, of course nobody would say that that's a singles group at all, but the 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 idea right. that that we come together as male and female, and we're actually walking through some of our own stuff together. Of course, there's some confidentiality in certain things, right? But we're actually walking life together, and in doing so, mm-hmm. we're we're actually being we're 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 seeing what the other is is their their transparency, their vulnerability. They get to see ours and there's this again this almost a sense of building this this relationship intimacy non-erotic none none, none of that but that you're mm-hmm. building something right where where there there is um you're starting to see this this um individual who God designed them to be and they're walking alongside being able to choose transparency and vulnerability um in front of the other and so unfortunately with the church um, that's that's not the case. The, the the approach they take in terms of I think they're trying to do what the best they could, right? But but in trying to just connect people um, uh, that are just are just so broken that they need to actually be working mm-hmm. on other things and not necessarily working yeah. on other things apart from each other, but working on their own stuff. I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, yeah, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, and I think the like what you're saying about Living Waters is is a great point. So the reality, so in Living Waters, just so people know who don't know the context of the of the program, it's a 20 week inner healing program that has been produced, written by Andrew Kamiski, and produced through Desert Stream Ministries, and it's a 40 plus year old ministry that is that I've received uh, profound benefit from. My wife, Melissa, has, Becky has, others, so many others that we know, hundreds of people we've seen go through just our local program and is, it, have received great benefit from it. And what it is, it's men and women coming together for uh, a time of worship, of uh, teaching, 
And then oftentimes after that teaching, there's a large group ministry uh, response opportunity of one kind or another. Uh, but, but then we break up into gender specific groups. So there's usually two or three groups of men, two or three groups for women, and each group has a leader and usually an assistant in it. And it's in that space that then we're in our own gender specific groups and we're, we're sharing things that we're not sharing in the larger group, but still spending 20 weeks together. Uh, and also there's a couple of times during the year during, or during that 20 weeks that we, we add on a couple of extra weeks and we actually will have like a banquet or a meal and often a testimony night. So men and women are together. The whole group is together, leaders, participants, all of that together. And, and the participants have an opportunity to share how God, like halfway through the program and then at the end of the program, how God has, is, is meeting them, is, is breaking things open, um, uh, what's what's been a blessing to them about the program. And so one of the great things about that is just hearing from not just sisters and sisters and brothers and brothers, but hearing together, you know, what God is doing. And so there is a way in which there's, um, while there's that gender-specific safe uh, place to process, we are in it together as men and women, you know, and, and that is a, a, a very good and powerful thing. The other thing too, Becky, that you mentioned, I wanted to, um, to just to springboard off of a little bit is I think that so many times, and, and, and you, I think you also touched on this too, but so many times singles groups are, are places where people go to, to meet a husband or to meet a wife. And, and they're totally bypassing. I mean, this is the theme you were talking about. They're totally bypassing or not. They, they think that their problem is that they're not married. They think that the issue for them, their loneliness, all this other stuff is going to be resolved or solved or largely so through marriage. And, and honestly, the, the idea that I think we promote that I need a companion and I need someone to, to do life with, there's a part of that that's fine and healthy and, and normal. But I do think that one of the things that we've learned through Living Waters and is, is becoming, and you use that phrase, whole enough, becoming whole enough what winds up happening, uh, what happened for me in Living Waters is that as I got more and more whole, as I became more and more comfortable in my own masculine skin and who God made me as a man and and actually beginning to really love being a man, I didn't deal with transgenderism per se, but I but that that feeling that I had that I in order for me to be whole, I needed to be with another man. I needed to be um, living with and uh, doing life with basically a guy that was functioning as my husband, but it was, it was all the emptiness I had in, in my own frame. And in this sense that I had nothing of the masculine really to offer a woman for sure. I was getting, I was getting that met in this other guy kind of outside of myself in a sense. And as I began to get more whole, as God began to bring greater healing into my life, largely through living waters, I, um, it, I began to have a desire I had an overflow that I wanted to give away. I, there was something that I, I wanted, I wanted relationship, not just because I wanted a companion, but even more so because I felt like this, this bubbling up and this, this overflow of, of something that was meant to not just be within myself. And, and that I think is, is a, as much better ground for beginning a relationship and moving potentially toward marriage with somebody, then I need, I need, I need, and I, I want you to meet that need because ultimately we'll fail each other in, in when our needs are so broken and they're so pervasive and, and we really do need, as you said, rightly so 
we, there's so much more healing that's needed before um, we get to um, uh, marriage. I, I just think it's essential that that we understand that and that um, the, the church understands that. And so there's a lot of things we could talk about when it comes to singleness. We're not going to get into all that today. Maybe we'll pick up, you talked about attachment. Uh, we could get into a whole other um, uh, podcast about those. So I'm sure there'll be some future time when you and I will be together and sharing more. But Becky, I so appreciate your vulnerability and your transparency. And I know that there are so many who will listen to this and watch this podcast who will identify with um, so much of what you're talking about or know others who can. So uh, thank you again so much for your vulnerability and transparency. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us for this Love and Truth Network podcast. To listen to or watch future episodes, please check us out at loveandtruthnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to seeing you in a future episode.